Hi, everyone, and welcome to Author Pep Talks. I'm your host, Lincoln Zay Kemp, and today I'm interviewing Juliet Menendez, debut author of the illustrated collection Latinitas Celebrating 40 Big Dreamers. Juliet is a Guatemalan American author and illustrator living between Guatemala City, Paris, and New York. While working as a bilingual teacher in New York City's public schools, Juliet noted the need for more books that depicted children like the ones in her classrooms. She studied design and illustration in Paris and now spends her days with her watercolors and notebook. Latinitas is her first children's book. Today we're talking about finding moments of creativity when you're operating in survival mode, how unexpected projects can be a safe place to hide in the midst of trauma, and why being vulnerable with others is essential to avoiding overwhelm. I was awestruck by the medical journey Juliet's mother went on and how Juliet remained by her side, sleeping for months in her hospital room while also managing to pitch her debut collection in person. My conversation with her was a great reminder that we are all capable of doing extraordinary things and that many of us have over these past two years, juggling work and caretaking in our creative endeavors, finding strength and an ability to adapt we may never have thought possible. It's the perfect conversation to kick off this new season of Author Pep Talks, and I know you'll find it just as fortifying as I did. So without further ado, curl up with a furry companion or find yourself a warm blanket and enjoy my conversation with Juliet Menendez. How are you doing? I think it's hard for anyone to say great these days <laughs> during this crazy pandemic, but overall, I'm doing all right. So a lot of the conversations that I had last year, at least so far, have been about writing during the pandemic uh, or trying to release a book during the pandemic. But today we're actually going to talk about what happens in between writing and publication because you had a really intense and stressful submission experience. Can you talk about that and what it was like for you? So basically my mother, right at the time that I found my agent, it was like literally went from celebrating like, oh my God, I found my dream agent to my mother getting extremely sick. And she went into the hospital and soon after she got to the hospital, she had a pulmonary embolism and pretty much went into a coma because they put her on a ventilator. So right at that time, all these things kind of converged and I ended up basically doing the submission while I was in the hospital with my mom, which lasted for many, many months. Basically, my mother got sick here in Guatemala. She's um, the one who's actually Irish American, but both of my parents live here, even though they're not together, which is a strange story in and of itself. But at any rate, she got sick here in Guatemala, but her insurance is in the States. And so because of the way things escalated very quickly and she was in a coma, there really wasn't much we could do. And so we were treating her here. And remarkably, I, remarkably isn't even the word. It was literally a miracle. It felt like one of my father's friends decided to offer to pay for her to take an air ambulance back to the U.S. And so as it turned out, I went in the air ambulance with her and you've never been in an air ambulance before, which I hope you never have to. Um, they're incredibly small because of, they have so much medical equipment because it's literally like a mini hospital. 
in the air, um, you can only take one thing. So I had like a backpack um, with like some things for what was probably like a week. And I ended up staying in the States with that for like, I don't know, almost four months. But I went with my mother in that air ambulance back to the States, but it had already been a little while that she had been in the hospital here. And when I got there, there was still like so much, she still had quite a lot of care needed in the hospital there. But for kind of the first time since she had gotten sick, she was stable, which had been, you know, something that was really keeping me from thinking about anything. Like it was really just like, okay, like she, her situation could change any second. And she had like multiple organ failure. Like it was, it was just crazy every day. And so to kind of get it to where we're talking about what I was doing with my submission process. So she was finally stable. They were weaning her off of the ventilator. And at the time I reached out to my agent, I had been keeping in touch with her throughout. She was incredibly understanding about everything that was going on. I worried at first about even telling her because I felt like, oh my goodness, she doesn't even know me. And now I'm going to be like telling her, yes, I want to do the submission, but all these crazy things are happening. But I ended up telling her and it turned out that she had gone through a very similar experience and was very, very understanding about everything that was going on. And so when I got to the States at first, of course, I, I hadn't reached out to her, but after it had been a little bit of time and my mother was much more stable, I reached out to her just to let her know because I had never even met her in person. I was in Guatemala and she was in New York. And she said, yeah, well, you know, I would love to meet you in person if there's ever a time when you think you can kind of get away and come to New York, that would be great. So um, I arranged that like, okay, well, my mother seems good now. If I'm ever gonna do this, it's probably a good time to just meet her in person. So we set a time and, you know, it was like one week from when we talked and I thought I was just going to meet her, which was already big for me. I mean, she was like my dream agent. I hadn't even been agented before, so I was really excited about it. And uh, like a couple of days before I was going to meet up with her, she said, you know, I hope you're OK with this. But I reached out to some publishers and I think it would be great if you took this opportunity to meet them in person and pitch your book. <laughs> and she was like, do you have, you know, a portfolio or something you could show? And of course, I had brought this incredibly tiny backpack <laughs> with like very few things. So no, I didn't have a portfolio, but I did have these little postcards, which I threw in at the last minute of my initial illustrations of the Latinitas. And I was like, well, that's what I've got. And I can print out a few more things. But you know, I wasn't in New York, I was in DC with my mother. So I took a train up there. And literally like that day, I was like, Oh, my God, I haven't even cut my hair. I've been like, I was just like a disaster. And I know that's like the silliest thing to think of with all of the things that were going on. I was like, I can't meet publishers like this. I look like a crazy person. <laughs> like, um, I've literally been living in the hospital. Um, so yeah, I got my haircut. I printed out my portfolio and I was like, all right, I will be there at 9 a.m. <laughs> so yeah, so she actually arranged that and I ended up meeting like, you know, an editor at Macmillan at Simon & Schuster at Little Brown. Um, like, the next day so yeah it was it was quite a whirlwind how did you feel about her making that suggestion to me 
I can't imagine that kind of pressure on top of the stress that you are already dealing with. So was it stressful or was it something (laughs) sort of like joyous and exciting that you could look forward to? Or maybe it was both. I think it was definitely both. I think that given where I was, everything had just been so much worry and so much stress about my mother. That's something that was different that was actually could maybe lead to good news. For me, it felt like once in a lifetime, do I get to just like meet four of the big five or something? You know, it was like, when am I going to get a chance to do this? And, you know, I could have said no and it would have, I think she would have understood because of the kind of person she is. I think she just thought, we don't know with so many unknowns like my if she's going to be here for a couple days that's a good idea and that that was the last time that I was in New York given everything that happened after that with the pandemic so you know I think it ended up being really good that I met those publishers in person but for sure at the moment I was like wait this is not what I thought we were going to do this is really different I have nothing ready and I just felt incredibly unprepared at the same time I think the kind of intense focus that I had had on my mother and like just being so present for her allowed me to kind of use that same kind of focus, if that makes any sense, to just really zero in on, okay, this is what I've been dreaming about. Like I can present this project. I've been thinking about it for a long time and I'll just do it. Like, I think it was so, there were so many things that had been so moment to moment before that, that I just was kind of like, all right, this new thing, like I don't have time to think about it, but I haven't had time to think about anything lately. So I might as well just go with it. So after you pitched in person about how long did it take for you to get an offer? After I pitched in person, there was still a bit more to do of the submission process. I had previously only done the illustrations and it was my agent who really encouraged me to do the writing. So that was still left to do. I needed to come up with a few samples of what the profiles would look like of the Latinitas. So after that initial pitch, I went back and worked on these like three initial samples. And that was if I'm not mistaken, a couple months that I was working on that, still with my mother in the hospital. (laughs) It was just a very crazy time. Then right after that, we sent it out and I heard back almost, I think within a week, we had our first offer and then it ended up going to auction. So it was really pretty quick after I sent in those samples. When you made your decision about who you were going to go with, How was your mother doing? Were you able to share news with her at that point? Yes. So remarkably, after I got back from this meeting with all of the publishers, she was already doing better. Um, Already being in the States, she had kind of come to a bit, but she was very confused in the ICU. And so I wouldn't, I wasn't able to really share news with her right when I got back. But soon after that, they moved her to a different section out of the ICU and it was a lot calmer and she started being more like herself. And so when I told her this amazing thing that had happened while she was really out of it, she's like, oh my God, like, that's crazy. Like, I didn't even know you had left like, and you're back and you met like all these different publishers. So she was really excited about it. And it was amazing to share that with her because she had been such a big part of the process before she got sick. And then she had been so out of it during this whole time that I really 
I mean, I did share updates with her, but I never knew whether she was hearing me. I would tell her about the Latinitas I was researching and be like, this is such an inspiring story. Like, I know you would love this Latinita, but, you know, I didn't know. And then she did wake up, but she had uh, like a, what is it, a tracheostomy. So she couldn't speak. And I really didn't know what she was hearing, what she wasn't hearing. And she got that removed actually um, while I was in New York. And when I came back, you know, it was like she was saying some of her first words she said in many, many months. So it was it was amazing, honestly, to share that with her. And I can't believe how those things kind of ended up aligning. But it was it was really great. You said you were at the hospital for months. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, was there time? for any kind of creative practice at any point during that or were you just kind of focused on getting through each day yeah so when my mother first went into the hospital definitely not all of my energy was making sure she was okay researching what was going on with her talking with doctors but as with anything it always surprises me how we find our routines, even in like the most chaotic circumstances. And yeah, I kind of found myself getting into a routine. And as the weeks turned into months, I would find little moments to get back to being creative. And, you know, it, as I was mentioning a little bit, it started with the research. It was something that I could kind of wrap my head around and do. It didn't require too much creativity from my part. It was more just getting excited about these different inspiring Latinas. So that was something I could do at that time. And I was also working. At the time, I was dubbing children's television shows from French into English. So it was strangely related to what I wanted to do. I mean, it gave me a sense of how to create a story and, you know, things like that, that I, I'm not trained in writing the way that so many of you are. <laughs> and I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So that was really helping me at that time. And it was kind of helping me to think in a creative way, even though it wasn't a it wasn't a time when I could be at my most creative for sure, but it was kind of just giving me clues as to how I might go about framing these profiles so they sounded more like a story. I'm glad you mentioned the word routine because I'm always so curious about what different artists and writers, what their routines are and how those routines kind of change and adapt as life changes, right? And I think people listening have probably gathered by now that you started as an illustrator, right? And your first book is your debut as an author illustrator. At what point did you return to illustrating? And did you have any habits or rituals that helped you sort of return to your more creative self? Well, once my mother was in rehab, things calmed down a lot and I would go to visit her every day, but I wasn't like living at the hospital pretty much. And the things that have always gotten me back to being creative are really letting my mind breathe. And that can be through various things. Often, you know, when I wasn't like in that situation, playing the piano or going for a walk, things like that. And during that time, what became incredibly important to me was my morning cafecito. It was like the one moment of the day when I just wouldn't I try not to worry about everything that was going on. I let my mind wander. I try not to put a lot of pressure on myself during that time. 
even though it's often when a lot of ideas come to me because I'm just kind of relaxed. So when I went up to New York to meet these publishers, I actually got offered one illustration project, which was working on this book with Eric Carl, Eric Carl and Friends, and it was What is Your Favorite Food? And somehow it was just such a fun topic and just so, I don't know, it was so sweet and it didn't take a lot from me that it was a it was something that got me back into being creative without being huge pressure. It was just one illustration in a collection. So that really helped me as well, that it was something more playful and not such high stakes as like my first author illustrator debut. Um, and that kind of got me started. But yeah, I think my morning cafecito and just letting my mind take a little rest and not forcing something for a moment usually gets things going again. Yeah, I've talked many, many times about how writing middle grade sort of happened by accident just because I needed a fun, playful project during the height yeah. of the pandemic, during, you know, summer 2020. I, ne I needed something that wasn't as heavy as my young adult material had tended to mm -hmm. be. So that's how I ended up writing in that space. But you also mentioned something else important that is, you know, working on smaller projects too, or taking on opportunities that maybe you didn't think of yourself, but maybe they just kind of come to you organically, be willing to say yes to things that you've never done before. You might find that that shift or that novelty of it also kind of helps awaken your creativity as well. I think so. I think that these really big projects that we take on, um, <laughs> they are really amazing to be so immersed in this one project, but I think having little things along the way can kind of get you out of a rut. You know, if you've been thinking about one thing in a certain way, it can feel like a lot of pressure if it's not coming out exactly the way you wanted it, or it's not going as quickly, or many, many things that could be happening, and to kind of step away and do something else that's kind of a shorter or small small aspect of what you want to do it can really help the other thing that my partner actually suggested to me and that I found super helpful is instead of setting specific goals with a product in mind setting time goals like I'm going to dedicate four hours to sketching today I'm going to dedicate four hours to writing today and not necessarily saying I will finish this profile today I will finish this illustration today and it really helped me to kind of reframe my thinking about it and getting back to the playful part that you were mentioning a little bit, where you actually get to experiment and try things out and you're not putting the pressure on like this has to be done in an hour, it just has to have progressed and it definitely does and when you're looking at each day in terms of the progress you made instead of the product you don't always have to look at yourself like oh I failed to meet this expectation you met your own expectation and you moved forward it just isn't done which obviously you can't do forever but <laughs> but you know it's something that keeps you going instead of feeling every day like oh I'm not doing anything I'm you are doing a lot of things it's just not done yet so I think that really helped me as well. I think that's a great reminder because a lot of people think the only goal you can set is a word count goal. And that's mm -hmm. not true. It can also be, like you said, a certain amount of time that you're spending with a project every day. Or maybe it's just a specific feeling or mood that you're trying to achieve. 
when I quit teaching and I left the classroom, it took me a really long time to break the bad habit of overworking Mm -hmm. because I was used to working so, so much, like 60 to 80 hours a week. You know, because you're a former educator as well. Teaching takes up so much time. And then what little time I had left, I I spent on writing. Mm -hmm. And so after, you know, 10 years of doing that, of always having a full-time job and always writing alongside that, took me a long time to break that habit. And one of the things that I did is when I would sit down to work, if I noticed myself feeling tense, feeling anxious, feeling a sense of urgency that I I would stop and I just wouldn't write that day. And that was sort of me pushing back (laughs) on that innate need to produce. I just, I wouldn't allow myself the opportunity to produce. If I was going to enter it in that state of mind, I just wasn't going to bother because I didn't want to keep perpetuating that and keep, you know, doing myself harm by engaging with the work that way. If you notice yourself trying to produce too much and it just doesn't feel good, maybe the goal is just to get back to a place where it does feel good to create. I think that's so important. I love everything you just said, because I think the most important part about the work is you, right? <laughs> you're you're the one producing it. So if you're feeling like it's no longer something that you're loving to do, and I'm not saying that you have to love every single moment. There are hard moments, of course, when you're you know, editing tiny details, <laughs> you know, whatever it can be. But I think if your heart isn't in it, you're just doing it and forcing it. It not only shows in your work, but it shows in your health. Like you often end up getting sick. It ends up honestly usually taking longer because you're not taking care of yourself at the same time. Earlier, you also talked about finding relaxation. What does rest look like for you? And that could either mean like day to day, what does rest look like for you? Or in between projects, how do you take breaks and refill your creative well? Well, that's such an important distinction because rest on a day-to-day and in between projects is two different things and they're both incredibly important in different ways. I think for me, rest, as you mentioned, being a teacher where you're constantly on, you're aware of these 30 kids, like at all times, thinking about their stuff, your stuff, what you're teaching and like so many things at the same time, you can have this tendency to just have this mind that just doesn't stop. Like it doesn't take a, a moment and It was my editor, I think, who said something about like, your brain needs its own like air conditioning system. I could be completely making that not as eloquent as she said it, but it was like this moment when you need to just let your mind breathe, like you need space around it. It could be looking out the window for a minute and just noticing what's outside, taking a walk, you know, making yourself a cup of hot chocolate. Like it could be um, any number of things that just lets you kind of just take a breath and not think about whatever you need to do in that moment and for me it really is about turning my mind off I'm always thinking a million thoughts a minute and just letting my mind relax is super hard for me I'm still in the process of learning how to do that but that's what it means while I'm working in between projects I think it's so important to not start right away if you can in any way help it, even if you build that in for yourself and you don't tell anyone, (laughs) you just take at least a week, if not more. I honestly, after finishing Latinitas, I just really needed a break. And it happened to be 
right around Christmas time last year. And I just spent that month with my mother. Really, I didn't do anything. I mean, I checked in with my editor, I think, but that's like as far as it went. I wasn't really worrying about the next project. I just really took that time to spend with her. And, you know, I think it made a big difference in how I felt going back to things, just really taking that that moment to be present with my family after this crazy process. Is there anything you do specifically to rest because you're an illustrator and there is, you know, a physical component to that? Like you're using your hands a lot. (laughs) So is there anything you do to take care of like your physical self? Yeah, so I actually also have an autoimmune disease um, called ankylosing spondylitis. And it's incredibly important that I get up and I stretch and like my body definitely lets me know it if I have not. So um, I take little breaks all the time and it's partially for the disease, but I found that it really makes such a big difference in just how I feel. Because if I'm sitting, looking at my computer screen, moving things around on Photoshop or, you know, just at my desk for hours and hours on end painting, whichever part of the process I'm in, if I don't get up, I just, I really feel how I can get in a rut thinking or get in a rut with the way that I'm approaching things. Things tend to bother me more. I don't have as much patience with the little problems that come up, whether it's a composition problem with my art or whether it's something with the writing, the structure, or the concepts, um, I really have like no patience if I don't get up and take breaks from that. So I think just stretching, I'd say that I do yoga, though I'm sure that someone who's actually good at yoga is like, I don't know what you're doing. I call it that. <laughs> it's really just stretches, but it really helps me. I'm, I'm not as flexible as these people who can do these amazing things in yoga, but yes, I do definitely stretch and it, it really helps me. So thinking about the experience you went through with your mom, thinking about living through this pandemic, how do you think that you've changed as a creative person over the past several years? And have you been able to take away anything of value from those experiences that have changed the way you see the work or maybe even the way you execute that work? I think what I learned most was was getting better at compartmentalizing and that I could kind of just be hyper-focused for a couple of hours at a time. Before, I think I really felt like I needed this complete kind of like bubble that I needed to create for myself to do any kind of meaningful work that was creative. And I think I learned how to kind of not have such incredibly high expectations for the conditions that I needed and I think that what, she, what dealing with the situation really taught me was just, that's great. If I can have a perfectly clean house, it's perfectly silent, wonderful. But I also don't have to have it be that way. And I think it also let me ease up on my expectations of myself as well. It let me realize that progress is different from a final product. And that just the fact that I did take that time meant something. So I think that it really helped me to see time in a different way. What would you say to artists who are struggling to create or maybe even feeling pressure to create despite the fact that, you know, maybe they're going through something really difficult in their life? Like what advice do you give to them to find a balance in those moments? If they're wanting to produce work, if they're not wanting to produce work, what should be guiding them in those moments? For me, finding those little moments to be creative and get back to my projects 
really gave me a break from the worries and the stress of being in the hospital all the time. It was kind of like a little escape each time I got back to my book and something that I really enjoyed sharing with my mother. At the same time, like I mentioned in the beginning, I wasn't putting that pressure on myself when this all started at all. And I think that the time presented itself, like this is a time that I could actually do this. And I think that if I had put that pressure on myself earlier, it just would have added a lot of anxiety and stress to an already incredibly stressful situation. And I think that you know when you're ready to get back into something and to kind of not force it if it's not there because it's just going to add a lot of undue stress to something that doesn't need to have it. And you used a word that I really love, which is being gentle with yourself. And I think of all the times to be gentle with yourself if you're going through something, whether it's you know a loved one or a family member being sick or yourself, it's really the time to not also add all of your normal expectations, which are probably already a lot for most creative people <laughs> of what you need to get done. And it's just a time to give yourself a bit of grace really <laughs> in terms of what you're able to do or not do. And the other thing that I mentioned a little bit before that I think is so important is finding someone you trust that you can tell what's going on. Because I think that trying to keep all of this inside and pretend that everything is okay can lead to <laughs> quite a few horrible problems like further along the way um, from things as basic as just, you know, if you don't meet a deadline or something and the person doesn't know, it can cause a lot of problems that way just with miscommunication. But honestly, it's just a huge emotional load to not be able to tell people what's going on. And I think the fact that I ended up telling my agent, even though I wasn't sure what I should at first, once um, she knew, she was really advocating for me, you know, to have a little bit more time or not putting the same kind of pressures on me. Like, why didn't you get this to me? We need to get moving with this. People are excited. This is the momentum that we built. You know, I think that she understood. And so she could kind of you know, ask me, like, is this okay for you right now? And didn't push me in the same way. I think it really, really helped. And of course, I think it made our relationship stronger in the end too, being able to confide that in her. Yeah. And like you said, you discovered that she had gone through something similar. And I think that's probably usually the case <laughs> when yeah. you're going through something difficult and you share that with someone else, they've usually been through something equally as hard or similar, but you won't discover that and you won't reap the benefits of that unless you get vulnerable with people. I think that's so true. And I mean, everyone has been through something. We are all experiencing them in one way or another. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and giving such great advice and sharing your story and being vulnerable with me and all of the people listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Juliet or her books, please visit her website at julietmenendez.com or find her on social media at jmenendezillu on Twitter and Instagram. Also, be sure to buy her book, Latinitas Celebrating 40 Big Dreamers, published by Henry Holt at your local indie bookstore. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also sign up for the Author Pep Talks newsletter to have weekly Pep Talks delivered straight to your inbox. And if you like the music featured, please check out my website, lakeinsayatkemp.com music to find more information about the instrumental soundtrack for my debut novel, Somewhere Between Bitter and Sweet, 
composed and performed by J.D. Morales. Thanks for listening.